What is good, family? Today's episode of It's Me Speaking To You is brought to you by my incredible sponsors, ChemicalFreeBody.com, some of the most incredible health and wellness supplements I've ever had the pleasure to have. ChemicalFreeBody.com, promo code, it's me. All the links are going to be here in the description of the video, as well as, man, as things are getting crazy in the streets with food, supply chains, etc. You need storable food as an insurance. It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Prepare with itsme.com. That stuff is coming from My Patriot Supply, incredible storable food. And if you got a nice shiny dome like me, or if you're a lady that likes to shave her legs and all that good stuff, check out skullshaver.com, some of the smoothest, dopest shaving equipment for him and her. All the links for all the sponsors are going to be in the description of this video. Peace and so much love, and enjoy the show. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back locked and loaded after a few technical difficulties here, but we managed to persevere. We are chatting with my man Patrick Walker today, man. I'm just super stoked, man. He's, wow. I've been I've been following him, his career for a hot minute on the book. I mean, he's been grinding. I mean, help me out, Patrick. It's been, you know, a decade plus. I mean, yeah, you've, seen, you've seen this cat in power, The Resident, Grey's Anatomy, Iron Fist. We were just recently talking a little bit. He got to work with the Samuel L. Jackson in the last days of Ptolemy Gray. And uh, most recently, man, he's co-starring with an ensemble cast of incredibly talented human beings, most notably Sean Penn, Julia Roberts, Patton Oswalt, and like I said, an, a, just a whole group of very, very talented actors in Gaslit, where he plays Mr. Frank Wills, who, man, he was he was the stone in the pond that created that ripple effect that, no spoiler alert, because it's a historical fact, brought down a president. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing extreme. I feel great. Good, man. Like I said, we woke up today. Everything else is gravy. It's all and good, man. man. Yes. Water. We're above ground. You know, every day above ground is a good day. Man, I was like, you know, kind of like superheroes, man. I always like to hear the origin story of cats, man. And, you know, you, you grew up in, in Jacksonville, Florida, correct? Yes, sir. And, you know, just reading up a little bit about you, you know, it's very – it was fascinating because, you know, Jacksonville, the Ville has its, you know, its grimy parts. I got family down there. Um, oh, yes. You know, how did that environment – shape and cultivate you know the man you are today because you know you didn't allow your environment and the toxic aspects of it to define you you set the bar high and you wound up doing you know what learning what not to do so how did that environment help shape who you are today my man i think that the the benefit of, of growing up in certain areas is that you you can you can learn from the the negatives and you can also learn from the from the positives of it i know that um where i grew up the people that I was exposed to and the people that I knew who, who may be deemed not good people to others, um, I learned a lot of core values. Like, um, like one really important thing about where I grew up was there was, um, there was almost like these rules to live by, you know, like this code to live by. And, yeah. um, you know, just being loyal, being honest, being a man of your word. And I feel like values like those like, are things that I hold very true in my career now. And, and then I learned what not to do. It's almost like it's a story of when – you have like uh, they say like if you have parents who 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 both um, are, are heavy drinkers and they have two children, one of those children may be a heavy drinker as well, and the other one may not drink at all because they've seen their parent do it. So yeah. I think growing up um, where I grew up, I, I saw the negative effects of a lot of things. So it's brought me to live a life where I I've never done any drugs or I, I don't I I never smoked anything or, or or any I've never drank before. So I think seeing so many negatives. I found a way to, uh, well, God has given me the, the grace to be able to have the knowledge to, um, to, to, to not touch certain things. Wow. Well, that's yeah. heavy, though, man, because it's just like, 
it's something you're born with, like you said, and it's sometimes it, some people do fall through the cracks. But I mean, you you set a higher standard for yourself, and you obviously right. lived up to it. And you know that hard work and that dedication to those values has has paid off for you, man. It's really cool. So when did you know when did that acting bug bite you? Because I know as kids, you know, oftentimes that people say, you know, I want to be you know in Hollywood or an actor without knowing the real how the sausage is made. You know, because it's it's very very hard work, take after take after take. You know, shows like what you're working on. You know, so your CSI's like sixteen hour day. You know, very very long days. So when did that yeah. bug bite you, and when did you decide to really dedicate yourself to you know really putting in the work? Yeah, so, so I think it, it, initially it, it bit me in it bit me initially when I was in fifth grade. I did a play when I was really young. It was like a little school play that we did, and I went to a um to a, a private school that was connected to a church so we did like a church christmas play and it was me and another young lady her name was kimberly <laughs> and um we did this uh, we did like a little like a little small play and it kind of interweaved with performances from other kids from the school uh when they sung and stuff like that so that was the initial time and then when i moved to atlanta after high school um i was just looking for like acting classes in the area found a class and my first class i went in i got there early i was in there first by myself and i remember sitting there thinking like i'm gonna be doing this for the rest of my life and yeah i've been doing it since that day yeah <laughs> and again i mean how's i mean like again when you set the bar as high for yourself you know again you you kind of dedicated yourself to, to putting in the work and did that shock you i mean the the initial thought of like acting and then realizing the real work that goes into acting was that a big transition for you or were you just ready to do whatever you needed to do you know, to, to, to protect, to perfect your craft and sharpen the sword. Yeah, I think I just was ready. And, and it's, it's one of those things, too, like when you talked about, like, where we come from. The, um, like, I, I've lived a very get it, like, how you live lifestyle. Like, you, you have to get it yourself if you want it. So um, from being, like, I was, like, the track, track team captain in high school. I was, like, I'd already always led things throughout my life and always done a lot of work like I've always been a very hard worker so when it came out to acting once I knew the once I had access and I kind of got knowledge of like okay you start off by doing short films student films indie films and then you get an agent you do auditions and stuff like that so once I got once I got into it and I started figuring out like steps of what to do then it was it, it wasn't it never seemed too hard to me. It never felt, felt like, oh, I'm never going to be able to do this. Oh, this is too hard. Right. It just kind of felt like if I just keep chopping at the at the tree, then it'll fall eventually. Well, and that kind of dedication and passion is, helps you, you know, those 5 a.m., those 3 a.m. call times. And like I said, those long yeah. days on set, you've got to have that work ethic. Because, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, um, you know, all that glitters is not gold. And, you know, you obviously have a passion for what you do. And like I said, it, it's paying off, man. And I, like I said, I've been following you on the book for a minute. What was it, 2015, you know, you, you were one of the winners of the Team Oscars competition where you guys were able to deliver the Oscar statuettes to celebrity presenters at the 87th Academy Awards. What was that like, man? It was crazy. It was crazy. It was like, because <laughs> see, man, the thing is, like, I feel like prior to that moment, like, I really, I really wanted an award. I mean, I still want awards now. Like, you know, I still would love to win an Emmy this year. Um, I still would love to win an Oscar when it's time. But I was really heavy in, on, like, winning awards. And I, like, went and I was doing every film festival, just racking up. It just, everything was just so, like, oh, I want to win things. And then when I went to the Academy Awards, I realized how unimportant all of it was. Really? And I was like, yes, man. I was like, it was great. 
But I looked into the audience and I still saw people who were on their phones and like we were texting in between. I'm like, everybody who you, everybody's here. You know what I'm saying? You got your family next to you. You got your, the, the, the agents are like, it felt like, it, it almost felt like that world wasn't real. You know, like mm. it wasn't, it, it like it wasn't, like, I don't know. I just, I just felt like it was, I saw it bigger in my brain than it actually was. It kind of brought the experience. It kind of brought the whole thing down for me and just made it more eye level. Cause I had like, statues and things on a pedestal in a yeah, way I and mean, like yeah. that moment really just grounded and made it like okay if i get in a war cool if not i'm gonna do my best work every day i go to work anyway you know so and that's hugely important man experience. yeah it's because like a lot of people again go you know i'm gonna be an actor for the almost the ego trip of it and that's the wrong motivation because that's not what right. you know when that motivation's gone you still have to have that discipline to do take after take on those long shoots and those early morning call times but you know like yeah. like you just said this the statues the accolades has to be a byproduct of your passion and your success not your motivating factor but i mean yeah. that's that's interesting though man because that's you know you're still a young man and to have that that veneer almost taken off because you know the oscars is the oscars and granted you're you're starstruck being there but to have that kind of insight I mean, wow, I think that's pretty deep, man, because that's obviously yeah. you have the passion to do it anyway, but the motivation stopped being about, you know, the more the, the awards, the more not the artificial, but, you know, the external stuff. Yeah, because essentially it's, it's almost it's like if that is the the thing, then what happens when you get it? It's like that almost feels like that's when your mission, that's when your job is done. And it kind of feels like if it's about like an award, if it's about praise, if it's about something like that then it i mean it, it, it could end and then i think it could t send you to like a detrimental place but i think if my goal is to help people if my goal is to like motivate and like like lead people the right direction if my goal is to like get some money go out here and like build communities and like if it's to actually save a world then like there's no way i'm going to help every single person but like sure. if my goal is to help as many people as possible <laughs> Then I can I will never run out of work. I, I, I never run out of something to do because it's, it's always more people. To, yeah, always to, to to be of service, you know. And I, I would want my career, my life to be a life of of service to God and of service to just humanity. So yeah, as as, as much as it was about statues, then it just kind of canceled. And it's like, all right, let's just do. We'll do the films. We'll do. We'll, we'll be the. We'll be one of the greatest of all time, and we'll take that, and we will go to the streets, and we will feed people, and we will do things that matter because nobody does things that matter. So well, and it's interesting because that's and I've you know I've not been on the level you are, but I mean Hollywood is kind of notorious for not that kind of altruistic mentality. Like you said, people are still on their phones at the Oscars. Have you found that that's you're you're kind of a fish out of water with that mentality in an area and environment like like a Hollywood? Yeah, in a way, yes. But my my mom used to use it. She used this analogy on me one time, and I had a really witty answer, and she was mad, but it worked. She said, "If you take a white glove and you put it in mud, what happens?" And it said, she was just trying to say like, "Oh, like the, the the she wanted me to say, oh the 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 glove will get muddy," and it's like, "Oh, then the, the the glove will be dirty." But like my thing was, what kind of glove is it? You know, like like is it is it a glove that like is resistant to that mud? Right, so right. So it's like so. I see it as like, oh, if, if I have a mindset, if, if, if God has given me a certain level of thought, then I can take that thought and being be an influence. And then there's going to be so many people who are touched by that thought, who then adapt that thought. Mm. And now, now, now we create an army of people who can service the world and just set of like, like just little bits of people here and there. Yeah, man. That's what, what Tupac called the rose that grew from concrete type thing. That's deep, yeah. man. That's beautiful, though. Yeah.
Yeah. Well, I mean, did you? And that's again, man, as a young man, to have that kind of insight, and you you rub shoulders with some some heavy hitters like a Samuel L. Jackson. Have you spoken to peers about this kind of perspective that keeps you rooted in the values that you have to not be motivated by the external stuff? It's like, have you talked to a Sam or you know any of you, some of the people you worked with about this kind of perspective about let it be about the work? One hundred percent. See, see, even even you just mentioned a Sam like that is that's his thing. Like he is a work like. Like yesterday, I asked him, I said, like, I asked him, I was like, have you ever taken time off? Have you ever taken a year off of work? He said, for what? <laughs> we all, we laughed. And I was like, I mean, you know, just to you know, chill or whatever. He was like, he was like, yeah, during COVID. But like, he enjoys, <laughs> he said even during that, like he was doing voiceover and like, whatever. But like, he's like everywhere. He enjoys, he's like, everywhere. The work. But we go like, okay. Um, and even like, I sent him some work from Gaslight and one of his thoughts on it. And it was like, hey, what do you think about this? He was like, you don't, like, what does it matter what I think? I'm like, I would love to know what you think. He was like, well, you don't, you don't even need to know what I think. I'm like, what? And if eventually, after him saying it like twice, I was like, I was like, no, nah, you're right. I don't need it because I don't need a, a, like I don't need that validation from anyone because it's, it's all about the work. It's like if you did the, he said, if you did, you did the work. He said it was good eventually, but he was like, you did the work. <laughs> you you went to say you did what needed to be done. So like, if everything is always about like the work. Then that is all that matters. You go, you do the work, and he'll say like, "Once a check, you good. You keep going." Uh, but what I mean, what was your again? You could have been asking him to require external validation, or you could have been asking just as a peer, like a constructive criticism. What could I do to help better develop my, you know, my my execution in the work? I mean, I, I hear what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe I'll go into like the deeper part. But see, also it's like by like by individual that I get a chance to learn. Cause some of my friends are, are very like, like we'll think too hard about it. And I think I can, like it's time to think like Samuel at a place where he'll go, like he's come to a place where he goes like, none of that even matters. It'll be like, if, if you did the work and like, it doesn't matter what anybody has to say about it. <laughs> like it matters, but no one has to say, he used to like, like last night at the panel, he, he was mentioning like visualizing and like working with directors. He said, I've already visualized this. I've already like done the work already. So when I come to work to do it, I don't need anybody to tell me how to do it because I've already seen it. I've already, I've been there already, you know? Wow. So, um, so it's kind of like, like believing within oneself that like I have done all the necessary requirements. Of course I'll collaborate. We'll make it a good experience. But right. for him, he's like, I've, I've done what needs to be done. And at the end of the day, yeah, it makes it all about as long as you believe in what you did. That's what Yeah. Well, and I mean, not to overlook that part of it, man, visualization, like, you know, obviously believing in oneself, but almost visualizing and manifesting through your thoughts is, is a huge part. I mean, I've, I work with a lot of mixed martial artists and, you know, people going to fight and stuff. You know, you, Mike Tyson even talked about in his documentary. I, I visualize this. I've seen it happen already. So in order to, like, excel to that level, there's a certain aspect of visualization, which I, my opinion is very, very important. You just don't show up and then be like, hey, how do I do this? Like, like I said, once you've seen it already in your mind, that definitely helps as far as execution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, when you got, I mean, like I said, you you've been doing a lot, man. You've been doing a lot, and I, I mean, not I don't know you, but I'm just I I'm super proud of you, man. I'm I super happy. Thank you, man. I mean, because I just I, I'm not again. I've done some acting, commercial stuff. I mean, it's just it takes so much work, way more than what people realize. And it's cool to be such a young man to have such a good head on your shoulders and to have you know, racked up. Just again, this is obviously a byproduct of your passion and your dedication to your craft. But uh, gaslit. I mean, I went in, you know, got went in and got a stars account. I know I don't watch much TV, honestly, but I went in, and got a stars account, and watched like all seven episodes. I'm so glad you found Tuffy, by the way, man. Gosh, thank you. And man. When, when people watch the show, they'll know what people I mean by that. Yeah. 
But what was that like, man, when you when you got that role? And I mean, obviously, as a young man, I don't know how much you knew about Watergate or Frank Wills or saw all the presidents. I mean, he, he's gotten so little pub in the world to be so huge as he was in history and all the presidents. I mean, he got barely mentioned. But obviously in Gaslit, again, he was the stone in the pond that created this ripple effect of a president have to resign. Getting that part, what was that like for you, first of all? And what was your prep like playing Frank Wills? Because I think he passed away. Young man, two, year 2000, and not a lot of information out there out, out, about him. Um, what, do you, what, what was it like when you got the part, and how did you prep for the role? I mean, I was crying when I found out <laughs> I booked that role. I, I was crying. I found out in – I believe I found out in New York. I was like – after uh, we did last days, and um, I shot some of this last night. During, during filming, um, Sam was doing this big scene about – like he was doing this big um, – like kind of, he kind of brought everybody together to do like a, this, this like homegoing for this character named Reggie in the show. So there's like, he's doing this big monologue and I, so they say cut and it's like my meeting, my director session is in like two to three minutes. So I'm like, all right, cool. So like Sam ends up walking out of the, um, of the set, off the set and just, and once he gets in his truck, it's like a little truck that takes him to his trailer. I was like, okay, I got at least 20 minutes. So he got to that truck at the right moment, and I ran to the trailer. The makeup people said, you can use our trailer. So I ended up, like, hopping on a Skype call right there and doing it with – not Skype call, but Zoom. <laughs> Don't clown me, brother. Don't clown me. I've been on the Zoom, did the, the director session. It was great. Um, yeah, man, I was really excited about booking that project because I knew the level of work that it was. But I didn't even know how big it was until, until like, I really – until I got it. Because once I did the director sessions, I went in and I found one of Frank's interviews. And in my hotel room in Atlanta, I recreated his interview and sent it in as like a, uh, for them to just see me be the character. So like I got yeah. his accent down and then just watched the interview just a hundred times. And then I mimicked it and then put it side by side so they can look at me and look at him at wow. the same time just to give them a good visual. But like, but once I found out like how important he was to the story, and I found this out as I was reading the script, and as I started to do my research, I, I just got totally immersed. I mean, we we did what like preparation wise, it was a lot of research because there wasn't much information like you just said about Frank out in the world. Um, I prayed a lot, and I just tried really hard to connect to Frank, even in my in my scripts. I've never done this before, but like there was a um, there's a section where on one end, it'll be Patrick breaking down the character, and on the other end, I had like almost had it. I knew what kind of handwriting Frank had, and I would write in his handwriting on the other side of the page to like just let his thoughts um, flow. So like it was like a um, on a lot of back of my pages, I would it just be like um, what do they call it when this like streams of consciousness? I would just be writing, writing, writing from like his thoughts on paper. So I just try my best wow. to just kind of connect to like his his point of view and like how he saw the world. So that mm. way when it came down to doing like episode six and, and even episode two, I could give the audience a, a, uh, uh, like they could understand like what he did, like this big thing that he did, but they can also see like, like what kind of person he was or what kind of person I felt that he was. Yeah. Um, and we, I just really dove into my like psychological to get prepared for, for Frank. Cause he, as you saw in episode six, he could, he goes through it so heavy. Yeah. Um, and he thinks his life is going to be one way, but it's not. And even stuff in the script that's not there when it came down to, to um, 
like the level of paranoia was something that I wanted to play with. That like how paranoid he must be after doing something that heroic, but like also like it being detrimental to the government. Like his there's this big yeah. scene with him in, in the bar and um with his friends, which people love that scene. And it's it's great because and he looks nervous, you see him being a fish out of water. But yeah. in the beginning of that scene is one of my favorite parts because when he comes in and you watch him, he is even sometimes they didn't show too too much of this, but like I'm looking all over the bar in that scene because I'm trying to see like who is watching me, who knows me, who works for the government, who like who is who, and he's around oh, with a lot wow. of Caucasian people. So I'm like, who are these Caucasian? Like, is somebody trying to catch me? Is somebody after me? So it's like these 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 thoughts of like I don't know what's like I don't know what my life is is, is succumbing to. Um, I played a lot with with that, so I live. I just try my best to just key into his. Um, like his psychological state at the time when i did find that scene interesting i mean just that kind of whole story arc with him because he was kind of a fish out of water it was his first day on the job and then he winds up blowing this whole thing up mm-hmm. and you know like he thinks life's going to be xyz he winds up getting fired from the Watergate, and even the young lady you wind up meeting i, I forget what she was trying to get you a job at howard whatever and you guys go to the bar yeah. and you meet elijah cummings and everybody's hey what are you gonna do are you gonna change the world you, and he, you know frank's like i'm just frank just trying to get by and find my cat, you know, it's just like, it's, it, it, I find that interesting because, you know, the expectation was, you know, Frank, wow, you just did this. And I mean, he, I don't know how he was grasping the gravity of everything he was into and, you know, you walk, you know, Frank walks out of the bar and didn't say bye. And I mean, it just, it kind of seemed like he was off put by the position they were trying to put him in while he was just, just trying to be a regular dude. But man, I, everybody go check out Gaslit, man. It's so, so dope. I mean, like I told you in the emails, I mean, I'm, that's another question. How, how familiar were you with Watergate and the break in and, you know, the whole thing? I mean, obviously you probably knew about Ray, um, no, I'm sorry, not Reagan, but Nixon resigning. How much backstory did you have on any of this? None of it. I didn't even know that Nixon resigned. I didn't know. Okay. Didn't know any of it. And every interviewer asked that question. They go like, oh, well, what'd you know about it? And I said, I didn't know. <laughs> and I always say, I blame my public school because I didn't know anything. Um, but like, and it was, it's, it's a unique experience to like be learning about a part of history from like one man's perspective as I'm doing um, research on him. And mm-hmm. then to learn about it from like the script's point of view. And then to learn about it from like the historical point of view as well. Because it's like, I get almost like three different looks into it because I hear like, okay, this is what the media said about what happened. This is what the script is telling because the script is telling a, yeah. a story from like different perspectives. And then, I mean, I watched old movies where it's like, okay, we see it from the president's perspective. We see it from these. So I'm, I'm learning about this major event, one of the biggest scandals in American history. Um, really? Yeah. I'm learning about it all. We're learning about different parts of it at the same at the same time. So it was... Um, it was and honestly, as a history... Ca- yeah, I didn't even know who Frank Wilbur was. I mean, I I knew they got busted doing the Watergate, but I didn't know just that seemingly insignificant observation of like, hey, why is this tape on the door led to all of this? And it's, you know, again, I'm a history guy. And I, I've, you know, I, when I was your age, I was really geeked out about the Kennedy assassination. And, you know, I, I said to you in an email, it's this movie, this show is a reminder of how absolute power corrupts absolutely. And when you watch this, you see what, you know, former Attorney General John Mitchell does to his own wife to keep a lid on all of this stuff. It's just, it's heavy, man. It's really, really heavy. And, you know, unfortunately, I don't think a lot has changed. It's, well, whatever, a lot of things have changed. But how, how absolute power still corrupts absolutely, I think, is um still something we kind of deal with today. Man, yeah. 
You got again. You got your hands in so much stuff. Walking that red carpet, man. I mean, obviously, you you've manifested your 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 dreams and your 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 goals. You know, you're, you're getting invited to the Oscars, et cetera. Walking that red carpet, getting that role, walking that red carpet. What was that like, man? You, it was it was it was special. It was really special and and unique. A great thing about this, about this time in my life is that I've avoided red carpets for all these years until these moments. Like I just walked. I officially walked my first real red carpet, I believe, last year, and I was like for an independent film. But like my first real deal red carpet was with Last Days of Ptolemy Gray. So like where I went, got this, where I went, got a nice suit, got some nice, got got everything together, and then went. <laughs> you know, they picked me up, and my dad was with me, so that was great. Um, my dad flew into LA, and we did we did it, we did the red carpet for Last Days, so that was really special. My brother Jock came with me. And then, um, then just doing gaslets, it was, it was even more special because my mom came and and my stepdad came, so that was really great, and they were able to see me do it. But I felt that this that the character belongs. You know, it, it, it's always really special when, as an actor, you feel like you're a part of the team. You know, and I feel like I've been a yeah. part of a lot of great productions, and Last Days was great. I had a lot of great work in that, but um, Gaslit is has been a project where. I knew my importance to the story. I knew that, okay, there's a lot of people here. There's, I mean, there are people on every episode, you know, who, who have cool work. But I know, like, Frank is, is, is in, in terms of the ensemble, Frank's character is a part of the ensemble. I lead episode two and six, those are mine. We only got eight, eight episodes. So I was like, okay, as far as, like, the, 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 the time on camera, like, on camera, in the sixth episode, I'm on camera for, like, 20 minutes. I have, like, a 42-minute episode. So, like, those... Um, I felt like I belonged, so I felt like I was able to walk with with um, with poise. I was able to walk with with um, with, with, with the, the 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 spirit of God inside me. Right. I can walk with confidence that I felt like I, I belong there. Well, I mean, especially Frank Will's character. I mean, I you know, I, not you weren't just a spoke on the wheel. Frank Wills was the wheel, and everybody else was a spoke. I mean, because without his action, like none of this other stuff yeah. happens. And so it's yeah. I was yes, yeah, really blown away by it, man. And again, this is going to be one of those conversations for the archives, man. This this young man, it's it's one of those, I wish there was a betting line on it, but you, you you already hear from now, but you are going to hear so much more of him. And you're not even just staying in the lane of acting. Sounds like uh, you've got your hand in producing, directing, uh, Fortuity. Talk to us a little bit about Fortuity and your directing. I don't know if that was your directing debut, but talk to us about directing. Direct, I, I, I love directing because it is the, it's the way, because I feel like, to wait on an, on an opportunity, I feel I feel like it's criminal, like artistically criminal, to have to wait on opportunity to just like as an actor to just audition, you know, because it's yeah. great to be able to you know act and you get it recorded and send it in to the casting director, but to go in and like take event take take hold of your own future to say like hey get a bunch of friends together even like to the last projects I've directed like getting budgets together and we go out and we got the same camera they shoot these big shows with. We'll go out here and we, we make our own content. So, like, directing, producing, putting stuff together, it, it gives me great joy because I know I can really flex muscles that, hmm. that I may not get a chance to flex in, um, you know, in other circumstances sometimes. Yeah. Well, that's kind of – I mean, I graduated with a film and TV production degree and did that for several Ooh. years. 
it, yeah, and then but so I was doing that for a long time, and then once I got in front of the camera and voiceover, and you know, hopefully, one of, I just know all the parts that are involved. So having that work behind the scene, behind the camera, and then in front of the camera. But honestly, that was kind of my psychology when I started doing a podcast. You know, everybody is an ocean of podcasts out there now. But I was like, man, you know, auditions, you, you can't wait for the next gig, create your own stuff. And so, you know, this podcast I started doing begat another podcast, which is better than another podcast. I wanted, like I told you, interview George Foreman. I mean, it just it, it, you taking taking the reins of my own, you know, being captain of my own ship, if you will, taking my own reins of my own career, help manifest these other things instead of just waiting on more work to come. Because you know, you know the drill. It, you know, auditions come a dime a dozen, but you know, actually booking it is uh, is a different story altogether. And that's another thing. I'm going to let you slide here. That's the hardest part about acting. Any tips for auditions? Because I always say, I always hear like, man, they know within five seconds once they see you. It's not about necessarily knowing the lines. It's kind of the look. What, do you, what are your thoughts and what have you learned about auditions, do's and don'ts, et cetera, for any aspiring actors out there? With auditions, I, like my greatest piece of, of any advice is always like, because you're right, like those first 15 seconds mean a lot because they can look at you and go, oh, he belongs or no, he doesn't. Right. So it's even just knowing that, like if you know in your brain that like they will decide to click on and off in the first 15 seconds, I try to make the beginnings of my my um, my auditions mean they, like be some moment, you know, like and I'm really big on moment, moment before. So like I already be living in a world before I even go into the audition. I'm, I'm not just going to start those lines. My friends, when we're doing auditions, I may just improv. And improv, 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 then start the scene. Because it'll be like, an, or, or you can, like you're cutting into this character's life instead of just like, oh, we just started right here with them. Right, right. So I'm big on like moment before um, as far as audition prep. Also, um, just having fun and like letting letting myself make choices that that like feel original to Patrick, you know, because at the end of the day, like people are coming to movies to see, you know, like obviously the story, but they're coming to see those actors do what they do best. So like um, I went to an audition once a few years back, and I got a chance to just record, like run the cam- operate the camera. It's probably like five years back. Um, not five, maybe like maybe like six or seven years back. But they, I was recording for them because their camera went down. So I I come in, and um, it's a cast member. Her name's Raven Drummer, and um, I just was running the camera for her one day. Um, and I saw all these different actresses come in, and they were all auditioning for the same part. And I remember looking at them and going, "Everybody is making the same choice." Mm. everybody and I learned that like they were saying like 80% of the people come in the room and make the same exact choice and I was like I got a chance to see it right in front of me and a really good friend of mine her name is Jeffrey Maya um, and Jeffrey Maya uh, Hightower uh, well not Hightower Jeffrey Maya for the world but she's um, she's the lead on the new um, All-American spinoff and Jeff was auditioning for that at the time and I remember Jeff coming in and I remember be like oh shoot there's a Jeff she gotta kill this but I remember her read was the one that I was like oh that was so different and then when she walked out they were like yep that's what she does and then they were like talking about but she is she didn't get that role but um but like one thing that wasn't they were like yes see that was different that was a unique take on it so i just try to like when i approach an audition i try to find like patrick's unique way to come about right um a scene instead of just doing it how it looks like it should be done yes okay not forget that like let's let's give them let's give them me you know yeah, I remember, I think it was reading about Jason Momoa when he got cast for the head of the Dothraki in uh, Game of Thrones. The casting director was like, dude, this cat came in and did one of those uh, 
I forget what those are called, the Haka, or he came in and just, just killed it. Just like went out of the, not necessarily out of his comfort zone, because I mean, he's, he's done that before, but it was just different. And she's like, wow, this cat is the head of the Dothraki. You got it. But again, like you said, taking risks, man, getting out of your comfort zone is, um, I've, I've always heard that. I've always heard that. And I've tried to emulate that in my auditions as well. But yeah, man, it's crazy, dude. I'm, again, Patrick, I thank you so much for your time, brother. And, uh, like you said, I was asking you, um, you were just wrapping up on Ambush, Jonathan Rice Myers, Aaron Reckart, Connor Paolo. What's that one about? Uh, Ambush, what's that one about? Oh, so so Ambush is a Vietnam War epic, and it, it's, it's really about this. Um, there's several storylines going on, but essentially there's a camp that's been, um, that's, like, there's a few um, um, engineers, uh, army engineers that are there, and then there's, like, a bunch of soldiers there, but like just on a regular day, we are ambushed <laughs> by the Viet Cong. So it's, it's it's the time during the, the, the Vietnam War, but it is a, really about like um you kind of get a, a look into like the lives of some of tunnel rats in a way, like the mm. guys who were going in and like once they were ambushed, they couldn't find where the where the shots were coming from because they felt like it was coming from all around them. And then um, John Therese Myers, his character comes in and like we go and we we discover um the tunnels beneath the ground. And we everybody's shocked that like there's like miles and miles of tunnel that the vehicles have have um have built. So in the movie, um, a group of um, pretty, really young engineers they have to go on the, in these tunnels and they have to discover. Um, they're, they're looking for a binder. Basically, there's a binder in the movie. The binder gets stolen, and then we have to go and retrieve that binder. So that requires us to go into the tunnels. Mm, that's so true. kind of work, it. Kind of works as like it's and it's a lot of action, big explosions, all that good stuff. So it's, it's an action movie in that right, but also there's an element of um, of suspense because we go into these tunnels and, and the way that the director and the, and the DP work together to kind of make it feel like the tunnel itself was another character. I think that's going to be really I was just going to say that. That probably elicits a lot of claustrophobia for people depending on how the DP and the director shoot that because I don't know yeah. how those guys do that or did that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's fascinating, dude. You're getting a little um, – it not you know a little trip down memory lane as far as history as far you know sixties and seventies you got the Vietnam stuff you got the Watergate stuff that's fascinating yes. man yeah yeah um, it's it's cool too to to, to go from because um that was Gaslit is seventy two and then to go into the Vietnam piece that was um sixty six that year so it, it, it's it's fun to get a chance to play with certain elements and even playing with like um kind of like tones and sounds and like how at that time like black people had a little a little song to them when they talked a little bit you know like it almost felt like yeah. they were singing at the end of their words so like right choosing what to you know what things you want to incorporate with different characters well and that's a, as a, such a young man with not a lot of frame of reference you know with that but i mean that was and i wasn't around either but again i'm, I'm a history guy and i love that kind of stuff but it was such you know the 60s and 70s such a tumultuous time that between the wars you know assassination yeah. after assassination i mean it was just really um, you know, very traumatic time for our society, but yeah, it's cool. You get a, get a, get a glimpse of that, man. But, uh, Patrick, say what's up to your boy, Jock, for me, man. I appreciate, man, you taking the time again. I'm so happy for you, man. I'm so proud of you. And, you know, you, you put in the work, bro. And this is a manifestation of your commitment to just being a killer human being. And that's what you are, brother. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate that, man. Absolutely. Patrick Walker, ladies and gentlemen, go check him out, please. And gaslit, man, it is absolute fire. Is there a season two coming up or is it just the first season? So they're doing it's a, it's a limited. So what they may end up doing is doing a different story, a, a different scandal, political scandal, and then like going down different lanes with different groups of characters and things. Oh wow, fascinating! Yeah, so that, that'd be really interesting if they keep going. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, my man, Patrick Walker, I appreciate you, brother. You take care of yourself, man. Thank you so much, man. Peace and so much love, guys. Stay tuned. Much respect.